You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. And so I'll start back in 2 Chronicles 7 just to tell you where the address of that is, where I was just read in verses 1, 2, and 3 of 2 Chronicles 7. And so when Solomon finished praying, the fire came down on the temple, uh, came down and consumed the, the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And, so I, I, and then the priest couldn't come in to, to minister inside the temple. And I believe that that's actually a prophetic picture of, of what New Covenant was supposed to look like. Except for in 2 second, in second Corinthians 6, it says that we are now the temple. And so we became, people became the temple, and God was even pointing in 2 Chronicles 7, it appears like to me, that, that temples were never actually intended to minister in, that temples were made, uh, uh, always made to be people, and that when fire from God comes down upon people, that the glory of the Lord increases upon our lives. And Jesus shows us on the Mount of Transfiguration that when there's glory, it causes transformation. And so I believe that was a prophetic picture that was pointing towards that. And then John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he said, there's one coming after me that is mightier than I. He's talking about Jesus, you know, his cousin. He's like, I can't even, well, what would be unlace his shoes, but there was back then it was take, uh, uh, loosen his sandal straps <laughs> uh, back then. Some of you may still wear sandals. Um, hopefully you don't wear them with socks. I'm sorry if that offends you, but I just think it's strange. And so, <laughs> it's okay. I'm just joking. And <laughs> if you turn it off because of that, we got bigger issues. But um, so <laughs> if you're not having fun, you're not doing church right. That's what, that's what we believe. And so, he says that Jesus, John is, is prophesying, he says Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, right? And then Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, it, one, the last, or one of the last red letters that he writes, he's pouring out his life, and he tells Timothy, he said, I want you to fan into flame the gift of God that was given to you through the laying on of my hands, and so I propose to you is what it appears like to me is that when we become Christians, when we give our life to Jesus, and I'll give you an example of this in a minute, that there is the fire of the Holy Spirit that comes on the inside of us. That there's a passion that's ignited on the inside of us for, for Jesus, for the Word of God, and for, and for the people of God, and for unbelievers. I believe that all of that fire comes into us at one time, and then it becomes our responsibility to actually tend to the fire. That the fire is not God's responsibility to continue to send over and over, even though He is merciful and He can do that sovereignly, and we've experienced it when God's fire comes sovereignly in in corporate gatherings, or some of you may have experienced it. I know I have in private prayer time. When it, you just feel this fire, it's the heat. It's, now, so let me be practical. What I'm talking about, when I feel fire, 
I feel the temperature rise in my body. It's like your core temperature shoots up. It's almost like you have this crazy fever um, all, all over your body. It, it would be similar to that's the only way I think I can, only thing I think I can relate it to. But I also want you to know that even if you don't feel fire, fire is still there. So when I first got saved, I was in, uh, my house was very small. It was about eight by 10. And um, I had uh, um, strict rules of, uh, to when I could go out, could never go out at night. And um, I had a very small yard and minimal accommodations. So those of you that don't know, I gave my life to Jesus when I was in a, in a jail cell. Um, and it was a, a, a sovereign response to his love. And I, I, I was taught by my, my, little, my little brother, Brian Cannon, um, who would be, he was my brother-in-law, but now he's, he's with Jesus. And so I'm, I'm missing him now, but I'll get to spend an eternity, eternity with him. And I'm grateful for that. He taught me about prayer. And so every, I, I had a, a disciplined regimen of praying. And as I would pray at night, I would get on my bed, on my, on my knees, and curl down in this ball and just close my eyes. And I would pray for everybody I knew and everything I could think of. And I didn't know what prayer was, but I really didn't understand what it was to flow with the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of my prayer was just, it was really just monologue. I was just asking God for things. Um, but God, you know, He works with whatever level of faith we have. But I would always see, when I had my eyes closed, I would always see this campfire. And it was surrounded by darkness. And I had no idea. I had no idea what it meant. I saw a few things um, early on in my prayer time in my mind and found out later that they were God and showing me things internally, one of the ways that, that I hear now. But I, this, this particular thing is when I saw this campfire, I, was, I don't know, it was a few years or maybe longer before I even knew what God was saying. And this is what he was telling me when he was showing me the campfire. He's, this is the fire that I've started on the inside of you, and your fire will always burn brightest or, or, or appear to be the brightest when you're surrounded by darkness. And so he was showing me, I've started a fire on the inside of you. And that wasn't just for me, that's for all of us. When the Holy Spirit came, there was a fire that was deposited on the inside of us. And I believe that that fire grows in intimacy, just the way that everything else grows in the kingdom. We spend time with Jesus, and we spend time in his word, and we actually fan into flame the, the, the gifts of God, and the fire of God grows uh, in, in community, it increase, I believe it increases in community because we, we weren't created to do this alone. That our, our relationship with the, right, with the right group, with the right community, increases our fire. Our fire increases theirs. And, and you know, it, it just, it's a hand in hand thing. We're walking shoulder in shoulder, lo locked arm in arm, and it starts to build the fire because. Though God showed me a campfire, we weren't created just to be a campfire. We were created to be a bonfire. I got this prophetic word years ago because the bonfire is where the party's at, right? 
And I believe that the kingdom is a, it's like, you know, that's where, that's where Jesus was. Jesus was invited to all the parties, right? I don't know how many of you are, are getting invited to the world's parties nowadays, but I, and some of us, they may not want us there because we'd be a bummer to them, right? We're trying to tell them that they're wrong and, and that I, I would be, I would love to be right in the middle of it. I remember uh, Jeff McClinic and I and, and Matt General, was it Matt? Yeah, Matt. <laughs> We went into, this past summer, we were in Hallville, and some of you from the Indianapolis area know uh, where Hallville is. It's on the west side. used to be one of the worst neighborhoods in the state, in the state of Indiana, uh, in the top five, I believe. And we, we walk, we got, so we're walking down this alley, we get done doing outreach, and we're getting ready to go one of the, their glory nights that are now family nights over in Hallville, and we're walking past. I don't even know what this place is at the time. It's got this fence around it with some bob wire at the t- some strands of bob wire at the top of it, and it's just this big building. Um, and there's a couple people outside drinking, and they they have their drinks. I'm like, well, it must be a bar or something because they they've got their drinks outside. They're outside smoking, so evidently they're not able to smoke inside. And they holler at us. Now, um, in this particular neighborhood we would have been the minority because we were Caucasian. And so these particular people were uh, Slovenian, and which they're Caucasian uh, by birth. Uh, and I felt like they just hollered at us for that reason alone, but whatever. And so they said, hey, guys, you guys, you know, come here. And we're like, I don't know what you're doing here, Jesus. We're kind of walking up. You know, this is it's a little sketchy because it's got this door that's got this, um, you have to have, it's a keypad to get in, or somebody has to let you in, or you have to have the code. And it's this great big heavy steel door that leads down into this basement. So it's, it's a little sketchy. And this guy's like, hey, you guys want to come in? And I didn't know that he was the grandson of the person who built the place back in the 1940s or, or sometime in the early to mid-1900s. That's a Slovenian club, private club. Supposed to be for Slovenians and their their family and friends, and he invites us to come in. And at the time, I wasn't thinking this might be the mob, this might be something dangerous. I was just thinking Jesus is getting us in this place. He's about to do something. We just don't know what. And so we get led through the door down down the stairs into in, into. What we find out is a private club, bar, dance floor, all this. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, and, and we end up seeing, just a long story short, we end up seeing uh, the, the grandson, or the, the guy that built it, his son, which was the dad of, of the two brothers that we end up meeting, one of, us, one of them let us in. We end up seeing him healed, his knee healed, his hip healed, his back, back pain healed, and both of the sons, of his sons, both of their alignment issues got healed. One of their back issues got healed all right there on what was their dance floor. Nobody was dancing at the time. It was, I don't know, maybe too early. It was a Friday night, about 3 or 4. You know, those things don't really get going until, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You know, not that I'd ever been to anything like that. But <clears throat> that's what I've heard. And so... <laughs> That we leave this place, and before we leave, this, I mean, they are hype. 
They, they're so stoked about the miracles that happen. They're like, you guys can come back anytime that you want. I'm like, this is only Jesus could do this. We walk out of there, and I'm thinking, that's something that would be like on a movie of what just took place. And then one of my friends brings it to my attention. He's like, first thing I thought when you told me about a Slovenian private club was the mob. And I'm like, I didn't even come on my radar. I don't, I don't know. I, just was, I was just following Jesus. And I'd propose to you that it's because the fire of God that's ignited on the inside of us, it gave us the opportunity because what it has done is it's increased the love of God. That when, my, my, when the fire of God comes into my life from the beginning and I am shown by other believers how to steward it well, through, through the things, the disciplines in our spiritual life, that when that fire grows, that the love of God grows with it. That, that passion turns into compassion. Like the, the COM comes on the passion because fire can't just be zeal. Even though zeal is amazing, but wisdom has to come along to balance zeal so that we're not out in front of God. I'm very familiar with what that looks like, and so I'm grateful for, for Lindsay um, to help balance bringing wisdom to my zeal a lot of times. And still at times, my zeal can get out in front of my wisdom. So it's important as the fire is, but without the love component, then my passion sometimes can just run people over instead of my, my, my passion turning into compassion. And then I demonstrate what Jesus looked like while he was on the earth because he was consumed in our God is an all-consuming fire, and so we are one with Him. We are, uh, I'm in Him, He's in me, John 17, right? Like, we live as one, we walk as one, and so because He's a consuming fire, I'm consumed by fire, and it ought to be demonstrated in my life. If I have fire, just like if I have joy, people will see it. We always tell people, if you've got joy in your heart, let us see it on your face, <laughs> If you're ministering out in public, make sure that you smile. <laughs> that was free. So we just, I mean, it's all free, but that was a little extra. Evangelism 101, smile when you talk to people. <laughs> and so the fire of God is something that is important to us, and we all get the privilege of walking in this, in this fire that God sent, just like everything else, it comes through grace, by faith. It's not of anything that I do, but it is something that I get to participate in. And so I am incredibly grateful for the fire of God, but there's a different kind of fire that we walk into at times. And I believe this is a season for, for the world, I believe it's a season for the body of Christ, that we're walking through a different type of fire. Let me, let me read it to you. Peter says it really well in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This is out of the Passion Translation. It says, Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be re revealed in the last time. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you have had to put up with the grief of many trials. Verse 7, but these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. 
your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. Nobody that I know of is grateful when the fiery trials of life come their way. But the Bible shows us that it's actually a good thing. That God, that Romans 8, 28 thing, that God works all things together for good doesn't mean all things are good. But what I, what I want to propose to you is that, that our faith that's much more precious than gold has to face fire, has to face the opposition, has to face the, tri- face the trials of life because without it, we will never know where our faith actually is. It's that, that thing that, that I've said many times that, in, that I heard from David is, and I've applied it to my life is that every revelation requires a response. The response is when something that comes that opposes the revelation that I get, what will I do? Because the opposition to the revelation shows me what I actually believe. Because it's one thing to sing it, it's one thing to say it, it's one thing to be in the building with other believers and, and be hype about it, but it's a whole other thing to, to live it out when something that everything that I believe in, something comes up against that, like is happening to many people right now. We've, I mean, that's, this, is, this situation, how many songs have we heard over the last three, four years that have been about fear. That I'm no longer a, I mean, Jonathan and Melissa Helser, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of songs that, that we've, we've sang. We've sang that song a bunch of times. We've made that our declaration. I believe that the Father was preparing us for things in life, but also preparing us for this. But sometimes, in the midst of the party that we have, I love the party. I love the party that we have in the building. I love getting inebriated in the, in the love and the glory. I, I love uh, all of the miraculous things. I love um, you know, getting slammed to the ground by God. And, and I love all, all of that. So I, I am a bit, I'm a big advocate. I'm at the front of the, the line to, to get blasted by God because... I realize that we get to enjoy him. And when I enjoy him, then joy comes in and there's, there's development of, of my character, my godly character, when I encounter the one that my character actually comes from. And so this development happens through encounters. I, I love it. My encounters always lead me into a deeper place of intimacy and they are supposed to always produce more fruit in my life. If my encounters, if it just looks like a party on Sunday or Wednesday, and, and, I've, and I've seen it, I've been a part of it, and there's no fruit in somebody's life when they leave the building, I question whether or not it was an authentic encounter from God. Or, it could, it, there's a number of possibilities, or they didn't allow it to do with what it was supposed to do. And so I don't ever want to model that it's just supposed to be the party. The party does something. The good time in Jesus actually, so when we're singing those things and we're getting blasted by God, 
that there's truth that is being released that we get an opportunity to partner with and, and grab a hold of and make it a part of our foundation. I'm no longer a slave to fear. And so then that revelation will face opposition in the realm of, Nikki was just talking about finances. Lindsay and I do the same thing. I felt some fear in finances over the last few weeks. Our response is, um, where can we give? I'm giving somewhere because I'm doing what fear is trying to make me not do. And I'm not bowing down to fear. And, and by giving, I'm not bowing down. Because I can say I don't bow down. I can sing I'm no longer a slave of fear. But if there is no response to the revelation that I have, then there's actually no faith that came from that revelation. And the revelation was supposed to produce in me a greater level of faith so that I can show people what the Father looks like. He does not bow down to fear. And so there's this incredible story in, in Daniel chapter 3. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are is, is, is uh, different as those names are. They are faced with an opportunity to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar has built this 90-foot, 9-foot-wide golden statue. I mean, this, talk about excessive bling. Like this guy, <laughs> that is some serious bling. So every time there's music that is played, everybody is to, everybody in the kingdom is to bow down and worship this golden idol, this, this statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and some people tell on, they go and, and tattle on, I'm sure none of you did that when, you know, with siblings, but uh, I know I did. And it seems like the youngest one always, always tattles about something. They're like, they're doing this. So some people go and tell on um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they're not bowing down. King of Nebuchadnezzar, these guys, they're, they're not willing to bow down to this when the music is being played. And what was told, the decree that was sent out, why decrees are so important when they come from a place of knowing who we are as kings and priests and our God. When decrees happen, the things are so in the kingdom realm, which then displays itself in the natural. These guys are brought in front of King Nebuchadnezzar because the decree that went out was, if you don't bow down, you die. You will be thrown into the fire, in this fiery furnace, and so they, these guys are brought before him, and they're like, he's like, is it true? King Nebuchadnezzar's like, are you guys really not bowing down to, to my statue? You know, you could see with all the pride, I mean, a guy's built a 90-foot statue of, had a 90-foot statue of himself built. I'm, he had a little bit of pride and might have been a little full of himself. And <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> it, these guys... Tell Nebuchadnezzar, after he asked them the question, are you really not bowing down? They say, King, we will not be bowing down to your statue because our God will rescue us from, from the fire. But even if he doesn't, we still won't be bowing down. My mindset, and I'll just use myself as an example, has been at times is that I look for the rescuing of God out of the tough situations. I look for the rescuing of God come, 
God come, I'm not saying I'm not praying, God come and destroy this coronavirus. God's healing is God's will. That's what he demonstrated through Jesus. I'm not saying that that is not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying the pressures of life that though even when this thing passes, and it will, and the economy will recover, all of the things will, will, will go back and, and I believe be even better than what they were before. Doesn't mean they won't be tough, but there will be more pressures. There will be more fiery trials that come to our own personal lives. It may not look like uh, the crisis, the pandemic that is happening right now across the world, but there will be challenges that we face of Christians. And I believe that there is something right here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say that is for us today is that they stated to the king. In, in this play, in, in our current situation, it would be to what has become the world's king right now, which is fear, is that we won't be, we won't be bowing down to you. We don't care what it costs us. And, and then they get thrown into the fire that the king heats up seven times hotter, so hot that when the guys throw them into the fire, they die. The guys that brought the three up there. And the king looks and he sees, and, and he sees the fourth man that looks like the Son of God in the fire with them. And this thing may seem like it's been as suddenly as quick as Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, the, the situation of our life right now. But their example of, of what it's that we are to at times, live in the fire. Because if you look into the text, they were walking around in the fire with the one who looked like the Son of God. They weren't even trying to get out of the fire. They had to call their names so that they would come out. They weren't trying to jump out. There wasn't, Jesus didn't appear. It looks like Jesus, the one that looks like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar relates it to an angel if, if you look at the, at the Scripture. But it didn't, doesn't appear to me that Jesus was on a rescue mission to get them out of the fire. They were actually staying in the fire with them. And it's a lesson for us that we were created to stay in the fire as long as He wants us in the fire because He's in the fire with us. That it is actually doing what First Peter, what Peter says is that it is refining our faith. That there are things that we all still carry in our belief system that we were not created to carry. And it takes fire to burn those things away. I'm not saying that God can't do it without fire but it's just in my limited experience that it oftentimes happens through opposition so that he can show us that we weren't created to be people that are looking for God to rescue us, but we are a people who will stay in the fire and be a demonstration that we are not weak, anemic Christians who are who are only reliant on a God to come and do something for us, but he has actually deposited something on the inside of us that causes us with him to stand up straight and tall in the midst of conflict, in the midst of all the things that come at us and say, we will not bow down to fear. We won't bow down to anything that the world may be bowing down to so that they will see us in the fire with the fire of God in us and the glory of God increasing upon us because I believe that when we're in the fire is where increase happens. 
I've oftentimes wanted increase to happen in the party with Jesus, but I believe it's happening in the fire in this season, that it's actually God's inviting us into the middle of the fire and say, hang out with me as long as I want you to. If you'll do this, there'll be so much increase on your life that the response of the world will be the same response that it was in 2 Chronicles 7.3, is that they will bow down and worship God. They will declare that He's good and that His mercy endures forever because He's the one that created this whole thing, this was his plan. The heavens are his throne, the earth is his footstool. None of that has changed because of what's going on in the world. And you and I get to be a demonstration of his goodness in the land of the living, but it's only going to be for those of us that are willing to hang out in the fire. We have to be a people who get comfortable in being uncomfortable in these type of situations. If you look at the Apostle Paul who demonstrated as much goodness and glory on the earth as anybody else that we see written about in the New Testament, and he writes this in, <laughs> he writes this in 2 Corinthians 11, 24-30. He says, five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, or 40 lashes minus one, Five times, 40 lashes killed you is why they only gave you 39. Five times, he gets that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was... I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who, came to, who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. This was in 2 Corinthians 11, yeah, 24 through 30. That was out of the New Living Translation. I believe that this is a gospel that was not made to accommodate a culture like America. That it was made to accommodate a people who, who look like the Apostle Paul, who are willing to go through conflict, who are willing to go through suffering and, and stay in that place of oneness with the Father because the fire that's inside of us grows hotter as we're able to stay in the midst of the trials that we go through. And I believe that it, it burns brighter at times like this because the world right now, again, like it was in the last horrible thing that happened in America on 9-11, is the world in times like this turned to the church. They turn to religion as a whole. It doesn't necessarily mean they turn to Christianity. A lot of them may turn to that, but they turn to ministers of, of a faith, right? Maybe not the faith, but of a faith. And so we have one of the greatest opportunities since most of us have been alive to show people that this gospel is not some flimsy, flaky, 
wet cardboard type of gospel that just folds up under pressure. And the only way they'll see that is if the people of God don't do those things under pressure, right? And so if that, I hope that that is convicting and convincing for all of us, not condemning or bringing shame, but it is an invitation for me, for everybody that's listening into this place that God created us to be, created us to live from on a consistent and constant basis. I'm not waiting for this season to pass so that I can get back in and and grow my faith. I'm not waiting to to even have the party and get inebriated by the love of God until this passes because I should just be crying and shivering and, and, and praying really loud and really hard during these times. I, I'm not saying those things don't equate to faith, but they don't. Volume does not equate to faith, right? Just because I'm crying doesn't mean that it's because of the presence of God. Just like just because I'm laughing doesn't mean it's because of his presence. It works hand in hand. But now is a time. If I can't enjoy him in times like this, I question the times that I can enjoy him when everything is going right. That would mean to me, for my faith, not yours, that my faith is conditional. It's conditional on my circumstances being okay, and then me and Jesus are okay. And that is not at all with the Apostle Paul or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or so many in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. It's not what those people demonstrate to us. I've thought to myself many times, I'd love to be in the Faith Hall of Fame, but those people were all, all killed in some way for their, or for their faith. Or, or and that, maybe not all of them, they weren't martyred, but they all went through awful things and still held on to, they still demonstrated faith in the midst of bad situations. There's nobody in the Faith Hall of Fame that didn't, that didn't go through something and demonstrate faith. It wasn't like everything was going right in their life, and then faith was demonstrated, and they made it into the Faith Hall of Fame. That, that is just the opposite of what took place for all of the men and women that made it into the Faith Hall of Fame. It was through crisis, it was through these kind of trials and, and tribulations that they went through that are much worse than the th- I'm not trying to downplay the things that they aren't bad for some people or for a lot of people, but I am saying that there are many of them that went through much worse than what we're currently going through, and their demonstration to believe God, regardless of what it looked like, is what got them into what we refer to as the Faith Hall of Fame. And I believe that even though there won't be anything added to the Scriptures, thankfully, there's nothing that's going to be written after we have the full canon of Scripture. This thing is it. This is, this is, all, this is all we need. Like Timothy, was it 2 Timothy 3.16? This is all we need for proof, for correction, for teaching. This is, this is it. But I, I personally believe that there, there's, still a, there's still people being added to the Faith Hall of Fame, right? The, that we don't need our, our names to be known. We just need to make Him known. And so if you would, I just want to in, invite you into this place of vulnerability right now to not be introspective, but to reflect 
and, and Holy Spirit may have been showing you something in these last few moments of where you're like, well, I, I haven't responded the way that, that those three Hebrew boys responded to Nebuchadnezzar. I haven't responded the way that, that Paul responded. I haven't responded the way that I even want to respond. I got good news for you is because there's grace for that. It's not like it's too late. The Father's not looking at you with disappointment in His eyes. The Father's not looking at you with frustration. He's not frustrated. He's not angry. He's looking at you. He's looking at us with love in His eyes. And He is inviting us into, like He always is, to this deeper place of knowing Him, of what Nikki touched on, of trusting Him, and what is synonymous is resting in Him and who we were created to be. So we have an opportunity again today. I love that the Bible tells us that, that God's mercy is new every morning. He knew we, would, he would, knew we would need new mercy every morning, <laughs> right? And so I'm grateful for new mercy every morning. And so I don't in any way want to articulate to you that this comes through you trying harder. This comes through us believing better. This comes through our beliefs changing. It comes through me getting up every day and getting in in intimacy with him, in his word, and and through the revelation that I've already been given or the fresh revelation that I'm getting is going out into my daily life. And when things oppose that, I make the choice because we are powerful people to choose to believe the revelation versus choose to bow down to my circumstances or my situation. And then that revelation actually becomes mine. I I begin to own that revelation because the roots go down into, into the foundation, which is love. It tells us in Ephesians 3, Paul prays that for the church at Ephesus. That our, our found, we be rooted and grounded in love. And every truth that we get from the Word of God is to go down into the foundation that is love and cause us to be more loving, more compassionate, and ultimately more on fire for Him. Because truth from the Word of God is like kindling on the fire that's supposed to create in us a bonfire. And so the more truth I get that leads me into, not a place of knowing more, but a place of being someone, a place of edification. Love builds up. Yeah, love edifies or love builds up, but knowledge just causes us to be prideful. And so I'm not studying to just gain knowledge, even though knowledge can be important, but the knowledge that comes from the Bible, that is the ultimate truth in the world, the highest form of truth, is to lead me into this place of becoming more like the one whose I am, which is love. And so as we pray, I just want to, I just want to, Holy Spirit to come, break the power of shame. Break the power of condemnation. If you've responded in a way that the Bible says uh, or, or opposes what you even believe, it, it's, it's not the end of it, right? It's like it's just a, we get another opportunity right now. 
And so right now, in Jesus' name, I break the power of shame. I break the power of condemnation, of guilt. In Jesus' name, every bit of it fall off right now. And I pray the presence of God come upon you and empower you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and make that fire the reality of it that's on the inside of every person. Make it realer to us than it ever has been before. Yeah. Make it realer to us than it ever has been before. Yes, Father. Let us be drawn into such a deep place of intimacy in this season that it caused that fire to be everything that you dreamed it would be when you saw us in your heart before the beginning of time. Let it become in us that, that consuming fire that you are that would consume everything that doesn't look like you, that would consume everything that doesn't bear your image or your likeness, that it would consume everything that we were never supposed to be, every attitude, every characteristic that is counter love, that is counter kingdom, that is counter compassionate and passionate sons and daughters of God. So we thank you, Father, right now that we get to be in the fire. I pray that we become a people that are that are used to being uncomfortable, that we invite it, that we embrace it, would be a better way to say it, that we embrace the tough things that are happening in life. We embrace it and that we'd allow you to grow us, refine our faith in this season. Help us to see, Jesus, you're in the midst of the fire with us right now that you're not afraid. I thank you that we get to gain faith by seeing that. And I declare over every person that we will not, that we as this body, as this family, as everybody that's watching, as the body of Christ, that we will not bow down and worship fear in any longer. We will not bow down. We will not submit to. We will not be controlled by. We will not allow our decisions to be made by the spirit of fear. We will submit only to the one and only Lord and King of our hearts and our lives, Jesus. And the Spirit of Jesus, the resurrection power of God flowing through us will be demonstrated in this season like never before. That we're going to see more souls saved, more healings, more miracles more people set free from addiction, more families come together in healthy relationship, more marriages reconciled, more kids' hearts being turned back to their parents and parents to their kids. We're going to see an increase of that right now. It's happening. We declare it's happening now because that's your will on the earth. So Father, help us to sit in the fire. All the good times we've had with you, all the encounters, I pray that they weren't for, for nothing. I pray they weren't for us to buckle under pressure. I pray that they weren't for us to bow down in places we, were, we weren't supposed to or that we're not even created to. So we thank you, Father, for both kinds of fire. The fire we're walking through and the fire that's consuming us and on the inside of us. 
thank you. I bless what you're doing upon every person right now. I bless the peace that you're releasing upon every person right now. I thank you, Father, for consuming sickness in bodies right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you right now for acid reflux. I just feel like somebody's been healed right now of acid reflux. Thank you for peace coming into the digestive system from there in the back of the throat all the way down into the stomach. I thank you for no more production, overproduction of acid in their body right now in Jesus' name. For anybody that woke up with a headache, I thank you right now for peace destroying that right now in Jesus' name. No more headache. Every bit of it leave in the name of Jesus. Yeah, thank you. And I feel like that it's important that I encourage you, the people who have been feeling anxiety again, which I I get it. You've been feeling anxiety again in this current situation. and You feel like you've got free from it before. Um, It's, I I really believe, I, I don't, I, I really believe this is for people that are watching that you haven't given into it. It just happens to be around you. It happens to be an atmosphere around you. It doesn't mean it, it, it does not belong to you. So Jesus' name, we thank you for those people, that person being able to rest in your presence, destroy the power of, of that thing by the power of the weapon of peace right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We're so grateful, Jesus. We're so grateful for your great, great love. Everything we get to do and be a part of in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're watching now or later. We're, We're thankful for you, for those of you that worship with us. The Revive family, we miss you guys. I know we've told you before, I'm going to keep telling you because I, I love to see you face to face. and We hope that it won't be much longer and we'll be able to see you again in this building. And so just know that we're praying for you. Revive family, friends of Revive the World, we're praying for you constantly. Send testimonies into us at support at revivetheworld.us, right? support at revivetheworld.us. If something happened to you during this service, if something happened to you during the week, if you're seeing testimonies, or if you're seeing things, God, God do things out in public, send those testimonies in. We want to be encouraged by what God's doing in your life because we're grateful that we get to be a part of it. we just like to see His goodness demonstrated through all people. So we bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Don't forget, tune in at 6.30 on this coming Wednesday. Hopefully we'll see you guys there. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.